a freak. You're heading for big trouble. I entered high school decidedly uncool. I had braces. My thick, curly hair had turned frizzy and unmanageable. But the biggest reason I was uncool when I showed up for the first day of 10th grade was that I was shy, an introvert, a pacifist. Nothing much changed that first year. No girlfriend, no parties. I'd simply been relabeled a sophomore. Except now a whole slew of uncool freshmen were floating in. In the class system, this was to my advantage. In this formative era, a single year can seem a huge age difference. Sophomores, by default, were superior. One of those lowly freshmen was Paul. Paul was shorter than me, and I wasn't tall. Paul had long hair, he wore glasses. He kind of looked like a mini Getty Lee. In high school, Paul was always carrying around a guitar case. An easy identifier, a status symbol. Paul and I became friends. We eventually became bandmates. And via this new connection, the musical floodgates had opened. Soon after that, Paul convinced me to perform a song together in front of our AP music theory class. It was from a band he liked, a band I had never heard of. A band called King's X. Doug, we butchered it, man. We, we, we. <laughs> hey, me and Ty both have a hard time playing that song. That's a lot of work. Summerland was my King's X entry point. It's from the band's second album, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. And even though Paul and I's performance of that song was not good, a seismic shift had occurred. I had never played drums in front of an audience before this. I had bombed, and I had survived. It was an awakening. A rite of passage. I wasn't a great singer and I wasn't a great drummer. I was kind of like, you know, because I was doing both, I feel like both of those things were not living up to my own expectations. But mm. we all feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like the rest of us. <laughs> Doug Pinnock is the singer and bass player in King's X, a hard rock trio that he formed over 40 years ago with drummer Jerry Gaskill and guitarist Ty Tabor. Everybody knows. King's X has had a pretty storied career. They performed at Woodstock 94. They toured with Maiden, Pearl Jam, 
ACDC, Motley Crue, and amongst their peers, they're heralded as one of the most underappreciated bands of their era. One of the coolest things about King's X is that their original lineup remains intact. It's a brotherhood, three sides of one. That also happens to be the name of the band's latest album. This is not exactly the same band I began to fall in love with in high school, but the sound and the style that sucked a lot of us in on those first few records, it's still there. Doug Pinnock is at the heart and soul of it all. He's independent music royalty. How lucky am I to get to tell him how much he means to a guy like me? Doug and I talk about empathy, self-criticism, the pros and cons of smoking pot, gratitude, Christianity, and living to be 100. Let's kick things off with Give It Up from the new album, then my conversation with Doug Pinnock of King's X, right here on Independent Minded. Come on, let's go. It's wake up every day and pinch myself and go, God, you know, I've, I've lived my whole life doing what I do. And, and at 72 years old, I look back now and hear comments and realize what did happen. When you're in your own shoes, you don't see what's going on. You don't know. You can't step outside of it. But now I look back and go, oh, my goodness, you know, we're a part of this. We are one of those bands like the bands that I love, that I grew up listening to, that learned from it. You know, bands that I'd play when I was young and bands that inspired me, changed my life, you know. Now I have, I'm in a band that, that has done that exact thing I set out to do unknowingly and not even realizing. A couple of years ago, I woke up, I took up inventory, and, and when I looked at my whole life, I thought, oh my goodness, bad, good, the pretty, the ugly. It's all like, wow, what a fucking adventure this has been. I come home from a gig and I drive into the neighborhood and I go, you know, some of these people never left this neighborhood. 
you know, and I'm just coming back from Germany somewhere, you know, or even playing Woodstock, you know, for, you know, almost 300,000 people. I mean, that's the biggest crowd I ever played for and probably ever will. But it, I did it. <laughs> watch it on <laughs> it happened, TV. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you can watch it on TV and there's some shitty videos up, you know, and I go, dang. <laughs> Hello, Woodstock. This is your time. You know, I look back and I got a great discography and a great life. You know, the older you get, the more you can look back at your life and let go of things and take the blame for things that you wouldn't before, you know. Um, life is what you make it. I say that all the time, but I'm still learning. You know, it still is. No matter what's happened to me, I made that decision, wrong or right. And that's when I started to take responsibility for my life and learning to love myself, I started to forgive myself. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter anymore. All matters now is to, to love people, send positive energy out, and it comes back. The love and the positive energy comes back. It's been coming back to me all my life, but now I see it, and now I, I appreciate it. King's X is a band that made me want to be in a band. So go ahead, blame them. But for all the Doug Pinnocks out there, there are thousands of me's. Musicians with the same intentions, to make it, whatever that means. And here I am, talking to a guy who's older than my dad, about trying to keep that fire burning. When King's X's first record came out, I was 38. So I was 43 when Dogman came out. Stop worrying. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was 30 when King's X started. So I had 10 years before that bouncing around in bands, thinking we were going to make it and do my thing. And by the time I got to 30, most of my friends gave up, got married, and had kids. And I looked at them and thought, I don't even understand this. This is what I do, and I'm going to do it. it. There was no ultimatum. There was nothing. There was just, I was going to do it. There was, there was no water at the end of the bridge. There was no bridge to cross. There was no nothing. I didn't care. I'm just going. I just grabbed my boots and took off. Everybody has that epiphany in their lives. It seems like every 10 years in my life, there was a rude awakening. 25 was when I decided I'm never going home again and I'm going to have to figure this out. It was about, I would say maybe 40 is when I started to look around and go, uh-oh, you're getting old and you haven't done what you wanted to do and you're getting some lines on your face. And so I went through a while about that. I mean, I remember the Dogman record when we took the pictures, it was a front picture of me. And I loved that picture because it showed all my flaws in the way that I wanted to look. Before that, people would take pictures of me and, and you know, we don't like the way we look. Nobody does, really. 
And every picture I took, I just thought, oh, God, you just don't, you're so, oh, you know, it's like, I just hated everything about my face. And then when I saw that picture of my face, it was like, no, there's a guy that has flaws and everything is in its place and he has nothing to be ashamed of and he's getting older. And it was almost like a freedom to stop hanging on to trying to look like a pretty boy. And not that I was trying to look like a pretty boy, but come on, Little Richard, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, they were the people that I really uh, inspired me. So of course, when I turned 70, it was like, okay, you got to 70 and that happened that quick. You woke up and there it is. And you only got statistically 15 to 35 years left to, to live. Optimistic. Uh-huh, optimistic. On the 35 okay. side, yeah. Well, well, I am because my family lives in their 90s. My mom smoked her whole life, and she died at 89. She didn't make it to 90. All my uncles and aunts, I mean, I have an aunt who's 106 right now. When King's X first started, Doug Pinnock, a tall, lanky, mohawked black man, often wore leather pants. 72-year-old Doug Pinnock had probably rocked those same leather pants. Not just because he eats right and stays in shape, but because of his incredible genes. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. When I turned 70, a few weeks or so into that, I started really being concerned about dying. Started having these panic flashes. It's going to be over. Oh, you know, and I was scared. And I said to myself, stop. You know, it's like this happens to everybody and it's going to happen to you. And I kind of get sad sometimes, go, oh, I got a good life and I don't want to leave. And then I thought, you know, well, as long as you can muster up enough positive energy within your sphere of living, you know, you're going to be okay. So whatever happens to me, when I pass away, I hope to pass away in a lot of energy and light. I'm not going to waste my time worrying about it. You know, how can I... How, <laughs> I finally learned that too is, you know, somebody said one time, um, if you're depressed, you can't get over the past. And if you're anxious, you're worried about the future. And that's my gauge now. This runaway train ain't slowing down. Whoa, I can hear it. Even though the world has got too loud. Now the problem of doom is shouting. Something about a thief in the night. King's X has been an independent band since the late 90s. Prior to that, they had a good run on Atlantic Records. Back when major labels had a stranglehold on the industry, the band had a few radio hits and saw regular airplay on MTV's rock and metal shows. But that period was fraught with drama and frustration, a not-so-amicable breakup with their longtime manager, the usual tropes that come with that sort of success. What I do in my life is I... I try to dispel controversy, not create it. 
even though it's the worst thing to do for your career. You know, controversy sells. Love and hate, those two things together, you're going to make money and be everywhere. I can't do that. I, I want to, blessed are the peacemakers is in my mind. I want to see everybody's side and then help them to understand how to understand each other so they can get along and make it in this life so we can survive. That has been the way I've seen things all my life. Doug Pinnock is an empath. Being highly attuned to the feelings of others is a tough take in the unforgiving music biz. Doug admits that it can sometimes be overwhelming. But when I'm playing, it's a whole different thing. When I walk on stage to play, I go into this bubble with Ty and Jerry. And that's all we feel is the three of us. And what goes on out front, it's sort of like I see something going out and I see these people receiving something and I see it affecting them, but I don't think about it because I got to finish the song. <laughs> you got a job to do, yeah. <laughs> and finish the night, you know, because some people go, man, how did you feel when you hit that note and you laugh, you know, and man, you could tell you just really feeling this night. You, you were really, I'm going, no, I was laughing because I messed up and I thought everybody heard it. <laughs> oh, I looked down and made a face because I hit the wrong note and got lost. You know, and they go, oh, aren't you, feel, aren't you feeling it when you sing about this song or that song? I'm going, no. All I'm thinking about is, did I hit that note right? And oh my God, I deviated from the melody and everybody's going to be frustrated because they're, they're used to the record. You know, that's what's going through my mind. This is not you sexy know? rock and roll here, Doug. Is no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Most of us who make our way onto the stage have an alter ego. And I recognize that I, I'm not this humble guy like everybody says. I want attention too. I love to get in front of people. I love to be the center of attention. Don't we all? I mean, I think we all love compliments. You know, we don't know how to take compliments. You know, and I'm finally learning how to take compliments myself. You know, somebody go, you had, you had a good job tonight. Man, your voice is so great. I'm going, man, I sucked in that. It was the worst night I had. I didn't hit this note, that note. And I'd always disappoint people. I did that my whole life. Everything I did when they'd compliment me, I would break what I did wrong down. And one of my friends said to me one time, he says, man, why do you do that? He says, dude, I had a great time and now you're telling me all this shit. You know, you just took it all away. And I thought, wow, I'm actually doing people a disservice, telling them how bad I thought I was. And so now when people say, that was great, I'm going to thank you. It means a lot to me. And Doug Pennick has figured out something that so many of us in the arts, so many of us who go into business together, get stuck on. When you have a problem with someone, you don't make them feel like they're a piece of shit. You tell them what's wrong in a guise of encouragement so they can hear you. If I'm a shitty person, I want you to tell me, but don't tell me and make me feel like, tell, make me feel so bad I can't even hear you. <laughs> you know, that's a fine line. 
It is a fine line. Tough love is a fine line. Yeah. I wrote a song, a fine art of friendship, man. Dude, everything I'm talking about, I wrote songs about. Doug, Ty, and Jerry are friends, bandmates, and business partners. Maintaining relationships both personal and professional for four decades is indeed a fine art. We are a democracy, but more like brothers. There's an alpha male or there's two alpha males who always fight and the other one keeps them at bay. You know, it's like being in a relationship that you've got problems, but you work them out, you know, and one day you find out that the, that the brand of coffee that you've been giving a person their whole life, they hate, but they didn't want to hurt your feelings and tell you they didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you just, as three people, we just grew to love each other, to get along and understand each other and to tolerate each other. Because I know we all get on each other's nerves and I could kill them both sometimes, you know, and I'm sure that they could kill me. How could they not? But we've learned that something happens when we play and when we do, it just reinforces the fact that this is something we got to do regardless of the outcome. In a recent oral history of the band, Doug's pretty outspoken about the first few King's X albums, how they sounded sonically. All those things about the records that I didn't like doesn't matter because it was the songs that grabbed everybody. I pull out Alice in Chains' record now and go, man, that record don't sound that good sonically. But did I care? Bad Motorfinger, Soundgarden. I even thought that record, sonically, was a mess. You know, the bass was too loud at certain songs, the kick drum, I mean, it was just disjointed. And I would put that record on and go, I don't care, these songs are so great. And I would just rock out. So, whatever I say about those older records that I didn't like, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, but to me, because everybody else could care less. You know, I put on the first U2 record and think about that record, how crappy it sounds. That record changed my life. Artists drive themselves crazy self-analyzing, obsessing over a lyric or a snare drum hit that can never be unheard. But this is the new Doug Pinnock I'm talking to. The enlightened Doug. The zen Doug. The Doug who's learned to let go. It's like you loved the songs, you loved what we put into it and how we did it, and you got what you were supposed to get out of it. And as a musician, I should have just shut the fuck up and let you enjoy your cake. You know, and I try to tell you how hard it was to make it and what I didn't put in it. It's a refreshing take, but in a lot of ways, it still sounds like Doug being hard on himself. I've had troubles in my life and I've have a, had a lot of self-hate and a lot of dark thoughts. One day I went for a walk and I had just got a new iPhone and I was really bummed out. And every now and then I'll get really depressed and decide to video on myself and just bitch. Just, just bitch at everything I'm feeling and then just get it out. 
and then watch it back. Well, I've done it three times in my life and I never watched it back because as soon as I started talking, all I could see was this horrible, ugly person who was pathetic and a piece of shit and bleh, and I would turn it off. It, it made me feel worse. But a few years ago, I was out walking and I was feeling bad, just thinking life was over. And um, I started bitching at myself and I did, it was a good one. So my brain was flying. I mean, and I have ADD, so I'm all over the place. And I was just spewed this. And then finally I calmed down and I thought, you know, you're not going to watch this. But if you do, tell me what you learned. And I walked in the house. Next day, I went for my normal walk. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try to watch this. I turned it on. And to my surprise, I kept watching it. And I watched all the way to the end. And when I said to myself, so tell me, what have you learned? And I busted out laughing uncontrollably. And I said, what was the big fucking deal? And it was like everything was over. It all went away. I got over myself. King's X is rooted in groove, soul, and rock. Doug's already mentioned Hendrix and Little Richard as early idols. But it rolls even deeper than that. I went over to my cousin's house one time, and they had just came back from the store and had bought a record. It was a 78, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And she put it on the record player. And I remember crawling up on the couch and sitting there and listening to it. <laughs> And I remember the bass line, how it went. It was upright bass. And I memorized it. It just fascinated me. I mean, I could sing the song to this day and all the harmonies and all that stuff. That was something. Vocals were something I just naturally understood. But that bass part, that's something that just, just drew my attention. So I've always been fond of low end. Grand piano baritone saxophone. I played baritone sax when I was in grade school. From that point on, it's like just everything that was musical that came into my life that caught my ears and my fingers, I was messing around with it, no matter how much or how less. You know, I, my grandma would take me to church and when everybody's walking out the door, I'd run up to the piano and start banging on it. She'd make me stop, but it only took me about 30 seconds to figure out a chord as a little child and go, oh, that's cool. Boom. And then this goes, boom. get off that piano, Dougie, let's go. You know, and that's what I'd get. And I'd take off. Everyone in Doug's family listened to music, but no one in Doug's family made music. Except Doug. And then when I was 18, my best friend said, dude, I'm starting to band with these guys who want to sing in them. And I go, I can't sing, man. And he goes, get over here and, and you know, come on, try it. And I went to this rehearsal and started singing in a band, and I never stopped. 
Doug admits that he cribs certain styles, attitudes from his heroes. We all do it. Mine are Mike Patton, Trent Reznor, Tom York. Talk to you off of your favorite album. Mm -hmm. um, early in the morning, I hear my neighbor's stereo. That's Billy Gibbons. Ooh, I'm getting the chills. That's Billy Gibbons. Right on. The telephone starts ringing as usual. That's Billy Gibbons. And on, um, like, believe in yourself when your back is pinned against the wall and the strength is killing you. That's sly. That's totally sly. That's exactly what he would do. If your back is pinned against the wall and the stress is killing you. But for someone as talented as Doug Pinnock, it works both ways. For all those he's taken a page from, there are others taking a page from Doug. Like I remember Laney said, I think it's gonna rain. And he says, I'm doing you, Doug. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, see? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. That alone will get you through the day, the week. Oh, oh yeah. I think it's gonna rain. Oh, when I die. Doug was close with Lane Staley, Chris Cornell. He knew Chester Bennington, too. A lot of his peers, his friends who disappeared too soon. King's X was often labeled as Christian rock during the band's formative years. I never saw King's X that way. Never heard anything heavy-handed in the early lyrics, even though the word God shows up often, even if their third album is called Faith, Hope, Love. It was the hooks that roped me in. Doug's soulful wail, the harmonies. King's X never shoved their beliefs in my face. But whatever belief system Doug had back then, has long changed. When I believed that I was a vessel made for destruction, because I am gay, in the Bible, in so many ways, when I grew up was telling me that I was a piece of shit and I was worse than a child molester. A child molester and a murderer is a gay person. That's what I was taught when I was growing up. I'm laying uh, on, uh, on a bridge on the side of it, looking up in the sky, in the middle of nowhere, a little bayou. And I started praying. I said, God, I get it now. I'm a vessel for destruction. I must be because I can't find anything good in me. You know, I'm just this and that. And I found all these scriptures that tell me how horrible I was. And I started crying. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I thought, if this is the way the rest of my life is going to be, fuck it. And I walked away and I walked home and I lay down on my bed and I started crying. And then I thought, Oh, no, I don't want to do that because I'm going to go to hell. Oh, my God, I'm going to go to hell now. You know, and I'm just losing it. It took maybe eight or nine years for me to finally get free of that whole mentality. That was the song I wrote to say, I'm not a Christian anymore looking for love, looking for the thing I needed. And all I get is shit that makes me feel like I'm not part of it. And that's what religion did to me. Religion burned me at the stake. I say that line, me, not everybody, it's just me. King's X were in choir boys, 
but they weren't exactly the bad boys of rock either. That's a compliment. I gravitated less toward the hard partying ways of some of those 80s and 90s rock bands. That wasn't my kind of cool. I was far more enthralled with cerebral stuff, the craftsmen, the mind benders. Marijuana has been a part of my life ever since 1989. That's a long romance. When Doug and I connect for our conversation, he's brandishing a fancy vape pen. There's no shame in his game. Smoking weed, it makes music for someone who has the sensitivity that I have in the weird way I have it. When people do mushrooms and they say how music sounds to them and how it just turns into something else. So when I smoke weed, that's what it does to me. Music just, I can stick my hand in it. I can understand it better. I can manipulate it better to make it sound the way I want to because my brain is slowed down enough to focus. There are different sides to nearly everything we like. The things that improve our quality of life. Love to run? Say goodbye to your knees and hips. That sunlight improving your mood? Watch out for melanoma. I had to have a talk with myself and says, dude, this is your career. This is your voice. If you don't take care of it, you don't have anything. And the smoke may have been opening Doug's mind, but it was beginning to shut down his voice. We did some shows and I listened to myself sing and I went, no. Douglas, you gotta, you know, you're jipping your fans. You just, come on, grow up, grow the fuck up, get some balls, and get your voice right, and stop being a juvenile. Here it is. And so I went out and bought tincture, which is drops you put under your tongue. Because I don't, I don't like edibles because it takes too long to get me stoned, and when I get there, I don't know it. I'm just morphing to what I'm doing, and I think I want more. And it's sort of like, I need that adrenaline bam tincture is these drops you put under your tongue within about 30 seconds you get high so i started doing that a month before our last time we went out not last time second to the last time we went out to tour and i sang and i was excited i hit the notes and it lasted and you know i still sound like a 72 year old man but at least i didn't sound like i need to give up you know, I saw a couple little posts and I listened, I'm going, dude, stop beating yourself up. You're doing good. You're doing good. Back in the day, though, I mean, some of my, <laughs> my favorite shows were when I, shoot, I used to wait all day until it was time to play, and I would walk up to the stage with the joint in my hand, and I would puff it and almost finish it and hand it to my tech, and he would finish it, and I would walk on stage, one, two, three, four, bam. That was some of the most funnest times, because you know when you immediately get stoned, that's when you're really aware. And I miss that. And smoking weed helps me to not be so critical and have more fun. I'll lock into this thing where I'll start going at it, whatever I'm talking about, whatever I'm thinking. Welcome to the first church of rock and roll. With the pastors, Todd Tabor, Jerry Gaskell, 
All of a sudden, my hands are in time with Jerry, and I don't think about it. To lift you up. We bring you music to make you think. We make music for your enjoyment and your pleasure. Music. I don't know what I would do without music. Music got me through a lot of hard times. It's all right, it's all right. We have music to bring us up, and music to bring us down, music to make us happy, and music to make us proud. All purpose music, and it's all good. It's all good, it's all good. If you make music, don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody deter your direction. Make the music that you want to make, no matter what they say. If it's from your heart, if it's from your soul, it's good. It doesn't have to have a name, no brand, it's just music. It's very important to make music from your heart, from your soul. When I was a young boy, my aunt, she told me one time, she looked me straight in the eye and she said, Doug, it's a terrible thing for a man to do the thing he don't want to do for the rest of his life. And I decided I'm gonna make fucking music. Now you are the King's Esquire. And I've been listening to you sing all night long. And it's all just blurting out. And then all of a sudden something says, you're done, in my mind. And I'll go, music, music. Music, music, I You know, I don't want to overwhelm people in a negative way. And I don't want to underwhelm them either. You know, I want to see King's X, they're real boring. I want to see King's X, and man, God, Doug wouldn't stop talking. It was just all about him, and he's just bouncing all over the place. Couldn't enjoy this. You know what I'm saying? There's, Dude, if you knew what went on through my mind, probably what goes through yours. Just all that shit, probably. Yes, exactly. Doug's vulnerability, his flaws, his outspokenness about those flaws... All of these traits are on display in King's X. It makes Doug and the band more accessible. It makes rock stars more human. For us, hearing overwhelming support from our peers and selling very little records and flying under the radar for a 42-year career with 14 records, we all, the three of us, see everything differently than everybody thinks we do. Earning respect is one thing, but you gotta earn a living too. Doug doesn't live in a mansion, doesn't drive a fancy car. Some of his friends do. Doug says that no longer bothers him like it used to. And I kind of laugh and go, this is amazing. The way I get to see this world I live in. It just blows my mind. You know, when someone comes up and says, my wife put the gun down when she heard Summer Rain, you know, and I'm going, you know, I can't complain about shit. 
It's, it's just what I love to do. You gotta go do it. What have you got? What have you got, Douglas? I go, nothing. Then go. And I did. And I'm still going. Three Sides of One is the latest album from Doug Pinnock and King's X. Pick it up now on vinyl. Check out tour dates at kingsxrocks.com. And you can find out more about Doug at his website, Doug, that's D-U-G, nation.com. You want some more? Got to give all the love to Doug for the time and the awe-inspiring conversation. And huge thanks to Alex Ford at World Entertainment for connecting us. And a big thanks to Paul Shapiro, for turning me on to King's X. Independent Minded is now in its 12th season. How? Why? Find out and follow it all at baldfreak.com slash podcast and on social media at baldfreakmusic. And it's all sponsored by Mackie. Affordable microphones? Mackie. Lightweight mixers? Mackie. Want to hang your mic stand from the ceiling or attach it to your desk? Mackie. Audio interfaces, boom and speakers, studio controllers, Mackie Mackie Mo Mackie, Banana Fana Fofaki. Like yours truly, Mackie rose from humble beginnings in the 1980s to become the audio powerhouse it is today. When two legends unite, things get even more legendary. Mackie helps me make this award-winning podcast just by being Mackie. Thank you, Mackie. Find out more at Mackie.com. Independent Minded is a bald freak music production me, I'm Ron Scalzo. You're a natural, you're a freak. You're a freak.